Navigating the Course to College series within the MIFA podcast. My name is Jonathan Hughes, and I'm the Associate Director of College Planning and Education at MIFA, and I'm on my best behavior today because I'm joined by the Director of College Planning and Education at MIFA, Julie Shields-Rutina. Hello, Julie. Hi, Jonathan. Does that mean I have to be on my best behavior as well? No, no, no. <laughs> In fact, it would probably be more interesting if you weren't. But, um, actually, since this is your first time on the on the podcast, you want to, and it's Jonathan and I sort of introduced ourselves in the in the first episode. Do you want to just you know talk for a minute about? And who you are and, and how long you've worked at MIFA and you know it's like one of those meetings where everyone goes around the table and says <laughs> you know, two or three things about uh, about themselves. Oh well sure I so I have been working at MIFA for 14 years and but I have been in this field of I guess I'd call it higher education financing for a number that I, I hate to say but upwards of something like 30, 35 years, um, working at colleges and working in other organizations, all, all organizations that help students go to college and help families pay for it. And, uh, but my, my home has become MIFA and I really, I really, I like it because I'm able to do all of those things. That's great. And you're, and you're, and you're known uh, industry-wide, so it's nice. Every place I go that, you know, ha has a, more than a few organizations, they say, "Oh, do you know Julie?" So, yes, of course, I know Julie. So you're you're <laughs> you're, you're um, you cast a long shadow. So that's good. <laughs> um, well, today is doubly exciting because on uh, the show, this we will also have one of our favorite collaborators, Yiming Shuang and Christine Yauregi from Inversant. This is College Savings Month, uh, as I'm sure you all know. And Inversant is a partner of MIFA's in the Baby Steps program, Baby Steps Savings program, along with the Massachusetts Treasury. Uh, and we'll talk all about that and all the other great work that Inversant does uh, in our interview segment with them. Uh, and of course, like every other episode, before we do that, we'll reach into the MIFA mailbag and discuss some questions that are percolating in the minds of, of students and families this time of year and this year in particular, in this very strange year. So maybe one of the questions that they have is a question that you have, but to start us off, the news marches on and there's been a lot of stories about how colleges are coping with COVID. You've probably seen some of them, but uh, Julie, do you want to give us a rundown of the top stories of the past few weeks? Oh, sure. Well, one story that caught our eye uh, was actually from WBUR um, and it, it, it's not a great story, uh, it was a report that showed that the number of students in Massachusetts who filed a FAFSA uh, this past year had dropped, dropped by, you know, something like 2,300 students. And that's a 5.1% decline since last year, which is actually even steeper than the national decline this year, which was 4.3%. We didn't like to hear that. No, no. And, and so... I think I know, but why do they think that this has happened? Is it is it because of the virus? Yeah, I think I think that at the time when families would have been filing, which would have been last fall and last winter and last spring, obviously, you know, the the world sort of changed yep. um, in the late winter, and then I think there was so much uncertainty about what college was going to look like, 
and uh, people being at home and not in their regular routines and trying to do things remotely. And we always find that we have to, we have to do a lot of encouraging uh, to make sure that everyone knows they should file a FAFSA, that's the free application for federal student aid, and help people to know how to do that and when to do that. And so I think, I think the unusual year uh, just really had, a, had that, that slight negative effect. Yeah, and, and did I know, uh, you know, where the drop is coming from? What students, in particular, aren't filing, or or why? Well, in fact, it it really is probably the students who need the aid the most um, that that didn't file, and so again, that's that's a, just a little bit of a discouraging fact, but it makes sense. So the report showed that. Uh, for high schools that are known as Title I schools, where 40% uh, of the families are under the poverty line, the rate of non-completion almost doubled. So, you know, again, I think it's just those are the students that we reach out to and that we try to encourage and help complete that form. And with all of the, um, all of the, the COVID-19 issues that started around March in this area, I think a lot of the, a lot of that, you know, was was just went by the wayside. Uh, I will say the good news, because you know me, John. I, I don't. I hate to dwell on bad news. Uh, the good news is that MIFA put together a plan, and a lot of our colleagues and other organizations, I think, have a really good plan for this year. So one example is just that, as you know, MIFA is going to have um college financing webinars almost every day starting in a couple of weeks all the way all the way through when the fafsa opens in october all the way through october into november so that and we're really going to push families to attend one of those webinars learn everything they need to do and i know some of our other or, uh, organizations that we work with uh, mass edco um, is is one and some of the equal opportunity centers around at, at the colleges they're all going to push on that as well yeah and um, I know I'm, I'm gathering my strength for our big push where we're going to just be constantly doing these webinars and offering these services and that's something that we always are careful to stress whenever we talk to families and students in, in quote unquote normal years that there's a lot of free help available and and so it's it's even more important that people know that this year it's coming from me but it's coming from other places like the organizations that you mentioned as well so definitely uh seek out that help because it is it is there um now speaking of of covid and, and the fallout from that we've seen a lot of stories about what's going on on campuses so um julie how is the beginning of the academic year going on college campuses so far well, it is a mixed bag, and I think we're <laughs> going to continue to hear stories. It seems that there's a, a new story every day coming from you know, campuses all over the country, really. But it's, it's, it's a type of year that we've never had before. So we're seeing things such as some campuses have invited students back to college. And with that, colleges have elaborate plans. Uh, some of them do, some more elaborate than others on social distancing rules and on COVID testing policies. Um, so there's all of that, but we've heard stories um, that there are cases, students are getting COVID on college campuses um, and 
colleges are dealing with that in different ways. Uh, some, you know, some have quarantine rules. Uh, we did hear some cases where uh, colleges sent students home. Um, it, so it really, it really differs from college to college. Uh, but we also have heard of students, you know, going to parties and things, which shouldn't be any surprise in, in some way that, oh, college, stu college students are having parties. But, you know, that's violating some really serious rules on college campuses. And so we're seeing some colleges take a really hard stance on that. Um, and we're seeing others maybe turning a blind eye and then receiving some criticism for that. So this is, this is going to be something that I think we're just going to have to watch. And I know that all college administrators are really watching this. And hopefully some best practices, uh, you know, some learnings come out of this. And I, I, think, I think we'll learn from the mistakes too. But I think people are doing the best they can. But it is going to be a wild ride this fall, I think. Yeah, and it may not end in the fall too. We'll see. I mean, you know, we were sort of all looking to the fall to see what was going to happen and how colleges were going to handle this and now we're seeing it and, and and we don't know if the fall is the end or if we're, we're going to run into the same issues in the spring i hope we don't obviously but uh but it, it's definitely it's a good point now finally i think in some um uh, sort of comparatively happier news there's some new developments for um possible and uh, you know this is, is nothing is final everything is just proposal at this point, but a possible 529 expansions uh, in a new bill that, that was unveiled in Congress. So um, do you have any details on that? Well, yeah, just that there's a stimulus bill that um, the, the two parties are wrangling over right now, and, um, and the Republicans in the Senate have introduced a bill that includes some uh, flexibility to 529 uh, plans, and this new flexibility would allow parents of students in uh, kindergarten through 12th grade at any public, private, or religious schools to use 529 plans um, for expenses like books, online materials, tutoring, things that they um, may have to deal with that they haven't had to deal with pre-COVID. Um, and this has a, it's just, it would be a, a bill, it would be a proposal that um, would go into um, effect for two years. Mm. But it would be an expansion of the qualified expenses. So we'll, we'll keep people posted about, um, about how that turns out. But what, why I think it's good news is it just seems, as you know, John, that over the last couple of years, we, we've seen um, the qualified expenses for 529s really expand and, and become more flexible little by little. And, I think all of that is uh, can help to encourage families to save, and we just know the benefits of putting away some money for college. And I think um, each time there's the plans become a little more flexible, then I feel more more people may be encouraged just to say, "All right, this is this is now I'm I'm going to save. I have less of an excuse because of this or that or this or that question." Absolutely, absolutely. So. Good news, good developments. We'll see what happens. Uh, now we're going to head on over, as we always do, to the MIFA mailbag. These are questions that students and, and families have either called us with or emailed us. And if you want to ask us a question, you can email us at collegeplanning at 
www.mipa.org, or you can call us at 1-800-449-MIPA. It could be your question that we read next. But our first question comes from Patel, who called in this week to ask us what the difference is between the U Fund and the U Plan. So since this is College Savings Month, um, we're going to have some college savings questions that folks have asked. And this is the first one. And this is kind of like if somebody calls up and asks this question, get comfortable. It can be a long call. It's going to be a long conversation. So we're going to try to get through this as succinctly as possible. And it's a big question. So the difference between the plans are, are these. The U Fund is a 529 plan. And this is how it works. You put money into the U Fund or whatever 529 plan, but in this case, it's, it's the U Fund. So you put money in the U Fund. Fidelity, who MIFA has contracted to service the accounts and manage the investments, they invest the money that you put in. The money grows tax deferred, so you don't pay federal taxes on, on the earnings. And if you use the funds for qualified educational expenses, which we just kind of talked about, but um, quickly again, our tuition fees, room and board, books, supplies, and equipment, uh, for higher education, or it can be for up to $10,000 related to K through 12 expenses, apprenticeship programs, or up to $10,000 in repaying student loans. So all of those things are what are considered qualified expenses. So if you use your 529 money for that, you don't pay any federal taxes on the earnings. So that's, that's essentially sort of the high level of how 529 plan work. So the U plan is different. It's the Massachusetts prepaid tuition program. And you put money in. And depending on how much money you put in, you buy a certain percentage of tuition at each participating college in the program. So every participating college is in Massachusetts. There are over 70 participating private and public colleges. So you put the money in, you don't have to pick the college up front. What you do is you put money in and you pick the year or years that you want to use the funds in. So one or more of the years that the child is going to be in college. The funds are not invested in the market, but they're invested in bonds that are backed by the Commonwealth and they do accrue interest. But the real point of the program is that when you put money into the plan, it freezes or locks in tuition uh, or whatever percentage of tuition you buy in a given year for the year that you've selected. So basically, it helps to give an example. If you put in $1,000, let's say this year, and you say, okay, my son is gonna be a freshman in 2031, for example. So uh, that's when I wanna use this money. Well, I put in $1,000, that's gonna buy 10% of tuition at a college that costs $10,000 this year. Now, if he goes to that college in 2031 and tuition is now $25,000, you have 10% of that or $2,500. So your $1,000 became $2,500 because you locked in 10% of tuition at that college. So the value of your percentage grows at the same rate that tuition grows. Um, so that's what we mean when we say you can freeze tuition or lock in tuition. And you can add to your percentage throughout the year so you can keep on adding and get a higher percentage by the time your child goes to college. So uh, the first question that people always have is what happens if your child doesn't go to one of those participating colleges? If that happens, you can change the beneficiary to another student, um, which you can also do with the U Fund. Uh, so if, if one of your students doesn't end up going to college or, or is not able to use the funds for whatever reason, you can transfer that to another student. Um, or in the case of the, the U Plan prepaid tuition program, 
you can always get what you put in plus the interest back um, with no penalty on that. No, no Massachusetts state tax penalty or federal. Um, so that, that is essentially the difference between the U fund and the U plan. Um, and now you don't have to choose one or the other. You could do both. Um, I have one of them. I won't say which one it is at this point, but I do have one of them. Um, and, but you can't, as I say, you can't do either. The U plan is for tuition and fees, but you can use the U fund for room and board and things like that. So if you're able to do that, it's a great thing to do. But as we always say, any way that you can save is, is a good way. It's better than not saving at all. But these two ways have sort of added benefits or specific benefits that uh, come with them when they're used for college. So is that, does that, is there anything you wanted to add to that, Julie, or did you? I guess I would just add that I have both and I've used both oh, for my, my two you. kids. And I, that has worked out very well for me. <laughs> yeah, I do know that you're a U plan customer. I forgot that, uh, but because you and I have talked now, if I may, I have a seven-year-old son who I'm saving for, um, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll spill the beans. I have a U fund, um, and, um, I'm saving for him every month, but I do, you know, your, um, children, one of them has graduated and one of them's in college now. Right. Yes. So we kind of have talked and I say this to parents all the time, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this just like you are. Right. So, um, and we talk about saving and we talk, and I actually, if, if you don't mind, I'll say what I do say sometimes um, to, to folks in our college savings presentation, which is a conversation that you and I had, Julie, which is um, when you said that the best thing that you did was saving, right? Starting to save. And, and Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, just no, you're so right. Absolutely. That that when it came time, when when that fall came around to send my first student to college, just knowing that I had some savings and I did not have enough savings for, for everything, but knowing that I had some savings and also my kids got some financial aid. And it, so, you know, it, it helped me put together a plan so much easier. If I didn't have any savings, I would have been a lot more anxious about the whole thing and I think the whole thing would have been and would continue to be a whole lot more difficult so yeah no I think that's 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 really really important to people for people to know it's not that you have to save everything but just having it there having some of it there really helps um so I'm, I'm you know I, I hope you don't mind but I'm always, I always relay that I don't think you would but I always relay that to folks um now our next question came into us and it was a question about whether or not 529 funds could be used for a career technical institute. We talked all about college and, and that's a lot of what we talk about. But of course, as we say as well, not everybody goes to college and everybody that needs to go to college. And one of the great things about a 529 plan is that they are flexible. So you can use them at any accredited college in the country, but it doesn't have to be a college. So um, you can use 529 funds at um, international colleges uh, if they accept U.S. federal funding, but you can also use them for vocational programs, technical certificate programs, as long as they're accredited uh, and can accept U.S. federal funding. So it would depend on the actual institution itself, but as Julie alluded to earlier, just so many uses qualified uses for 529 plans and the trend is more 
flexibility and, and more eligible expenses to be used. So uh, it, it's a good trend. Now, our final question comes in from uh, Nancy, who's a new mom. Congratulations, Nancy. She writes, um, can I open a 529 plan for a newborn beneficiary who has not yet been issued a social security number? We talked about this. So Julie, why don't you go have a, uh, have a crack at this one? Oh, sure, sure. Well, so in order to fill out a 529 application, the, a beneficiary has to have a social security number. So you really can't set up the account for a newborn uh, if the newborn doesn't have one yet. However, uh, we, over time, we come into contact with lots of planners, lots of people who want to plan um, and that we want to encourage that. So that's great. So the way around that is that if, uh, if people want to open a 529 plan before, uh, you know, maybe when um, someone's pregnant or just even knowing that that's going to be in the plan for the future, um, someone can open a 529 plan and name themselves as the beneficiary. So they can be both the owner and the beneficiary. And then once the baby is born, and then the baby has a social security number, they can just go and change the beneficiary. So that's how that would work. So our, our guidance is if you are a planner and you want to plan, go for it. That's great. Uh, lately, we've started to get questions from people who are you know, about to have a baby, you know, they're really close to having a baby. And in that case, we sometimes say, well, just wait. And you usually get the social security number within a three weeks, um, three weeks time of when your baby is born. So you might as well just wait and set it up. And then the baby has, has the social security number. But, um, but again, that's the, that's the easiest, but we wouldn't discourage anyone from, from planning. And there is a nice way around that. Yeah, like love the enthusiasm to set one up, you know, even before there's a baby or there's a social security number. Um, but like you said, if it's really, it doesn't take a long time to get the social security number and it's a lot easier if you probably just wait a little bit, especially, I think the person, Nancy, who, who called in, I think was a, um, a new mom. So, so oh, okay. it's just right. going to be a couple of weeks before that social security number comes and, and probably easier, right? If you just hang on. Um, for that time and wait and and it might come into that baby steps program if you're a new mom in Massachusetts right um, and you sign up for a U fund you're going to get that fifty dollars in the baby C, a baby steps um, savings program uh, but you know in order to be eligible the the, the beneficiary has to be um, born after January 1st 2020 in Massachusetts um, so probably easier to wait for that and then to, than to transfer later on and then see if you get the, the seed funds. But we have Yiming Shuang from Inversant to talk all about that in our next segment. But that is it for the mailbag. So we can close that up. And again, remember, if you have any questions, you can call us at 1-800-449-MIFA one more time or email us at collegeplanning.mifa.org. Now, finally, for our last segment, you will hear my interview with Iming Shuang and Christine Yaregi from Inversant. And they are uh, a really exciting organization in the Boston area that does a lot to promote college savings and has worked with MIFA 
on a lot of exciting projects, including the Baby Steps program, um, which is probably the biggest, newest, most exciting project that we have. Um, so let's have a listen to that now. Now for our guests for College Savings Month, uh, Iming Shuang is the Chief Operating Officer for Inversant and Christine Aregi is the Director of Marketing Communications for Inversant. Inversant provides children's savings accounts through college access programs. Uh, Inversant works with low to moderate income families who live in the greater Boston area and since 2009 has helped them to save over 1.6 million dollars with 1.2 million dollars matched. What, what I wanted to do first is uh, talk a little bit about Inversant. Inversant is a big partner of ours in the in the Baby Steps program along with the Massachusetts Treasury. So um, before we actually get into the Baby Steps program, if you could tell anyone who's listening um, and may be interested who who Inversant is and, and what they do and, and, and how families can interact with them. Sure. Uh, Inversant is a pretty small nonprofit. We are based at uh, Copley Square, Boston. Uh, we really miss being there. We're all working remote now. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, mission is to help family plan and invest in higher education. We have served over 2,000 Massachusetts families, uh, mostly in um, the underserved community since 2009. Um, we offer support and incentives to kickstart their college savings. We also provide workshops about financial aid and uh, college planning process. But um, in short, whenever we interact with a family, we really talk about when, whenever that we use the word safe, like safe for college. They, it has multiple layers of meaning. So one is like start an account and save for college. Second is um, you, you, we usually say, oh, we save a big deal by cutting back the expenses. So we teach family how to research the expenses, looking for ways to cut back uh, on what they don't need to spend. And then um, the last part is uh, thinking uh, as many strategies to get financial aid as possible, no matter scholarships, we also offer scholarships. So that's what, how, when we say save for college, that's how we serve our families. Now. When do families and students start to engage with Inversant and how can they do that? Usually um, in our traditional model, we partner with uh, mostly uh, local high schools and then, for example, Chelsea High School. So we used to only serve uh, high, high school families. Then uh, a couple of years ago, we started expanding to younger graders because we a lot of these families, they have younger kids and they also realize they need to start saving early. Um, so then we started expanding it, it become a K-12 program. And then uh, throughout pandemic, actually right before then, we started thinking about um, a lot of these parents, of course, we really meet families where they're at. So they're like, I want to go to college too, or they start thinking about their own education. So um, we're just gradually, little by little, <laughs> like it takes a village, but also we're trying to bring the whole village to college. So that approach uh, that we're doing, so uh, we're really gradually expanding and then uh, trying to meet families' needs where they're at. I was really, really excited to hear that you were developing that, that um, strategy or that focus towards bringing in the parents or more adult learners into the process because I think you know so much of the the focus is 
on families and, and students, uh, traditional students in, in high school or below. And, um, and there is a need there. So I thought that was really, really great. I'm glad you brought it up. But before I start talking about the pandemic and everything that's changed there, tell me how did you come to this line of work, Iming? And, and, and what sort of did you learn doing this work that surprised you? Yeah. Um, so I moved from um, Taiwan. I, for, I came to Boston for grad school at BU. It's, it's kind of, I, I feel like it's serendipity. I, um, before I came here, we, my family, my, especially my mom, uh, she's been raising my, me and my sister on her own. And um, it's been her lifelong dream that we get the best education. And um, so as the foreigner, we think U.S. education is really the golden standard. It, it means like better life, better opportunities for jobs. So that's why like, we, we, we never had our own house or car. Like she just saved up her entire life to send us to um, grad school in the U.S., and then what's really interesting is then uh, after I graduated BU in 2009, uh, the, we hit the biggest uh, depression like in the economy. So most of, our, um, most of my peers, I, they couldn't find a job. So they had to move out of Boston right away and um, they had to pay back the high cost of living. They have to pay, start paying their student loan. And uh, fortunately, because my mom, like saved the entire amount. So I didn't have any loans. So I really started from zero, like started interning uh, with the, the founder of Inverson, uh, Bob Hildreth. And he's an um, investment banker, philanthropist, but also an economist. And he also have, always have unique ways and idea to see how um, U.S. education system uh, can be improved and expanding access and promote equity. And that's really how Inversion got started, um, that he really wanted to help uh, a lot of first-gen and um, immigrants' family to get to college. And I personally feel like because of uh, where I came from and also um, I really feel that I could relate to these families, like starting from nothing, like not knowing what FAFSA is, what Pell Grant means. And... Um, but then really see it from their uh, eyes and how they can achieve um, the U.S. education, like how I came from. So, um, but then they just need, you know, uh, more push and more uh, lending hands of um, how, to, how to overcome those uh, systemic barriers uh, in affording college and taking potential financial risks. Wow, that is great. Um, now, since you mentioned... Bob Hildreth and Inversant and, mm -hmm. and you know, um, it, it, he's such a, a big figure in this field and says he's done so much um, great work when you talked about meeting families where they are. And that's really what I, I think of when I think of Inversant and, and, and Bob in particular. Um, but that, that makes me think of all the programs that we did together, starting with the EC, um, the the 529 programs that we did earlier and now with baby steps and we mentioned baby steps a little bit earlier in the in the show but i, I thought it would be since you are you know such a, a big part of the program along with us from the treasury um if you could just give anybody who's listening out there who may be eligible for baby steps a little um walkthrough of, of the program and, and what it is and how they can take advantage of that 
like a little shout out, right? Exactly. How they should join. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, so baby steps is really, it's, it's a long way coming. Like it, it really took us like team effort, like several years, like learning from, you know, the, the groundwork that Inverse has been doing and then collaborating on all these pilot program, uh, led by uh, the treasurer's office and NIFA. And then, <clears throat> so, so I'm, I always get very excited and emotional when we talk about baby steps. And, um, and uh, so the, the, in short is like for any Massachusetts family who have a baby or adopt a child after January 1st, 2020, uh, they're eligible to open a MIFA U-Fund account with a free $50 seat. Um, and I can't tell you enough, like being a mother of two young children myself, I, this is a significant step to start investing in a child's education and future and having that ease of your mind. Cause like there will be, well, we're, there's so many co- upfront costs when you, the first two years when you had a baby and then you don't want to like wake up at night and say, oh my God, what happened like next? Like what, what about at college? It's going to be so much more expensive by the time our children go to college. And, um, and I can't um, even share enough. Like I had, I was very fortunate that I get to visit uh, some baby steps uh, hospital uh, visit that's uh, right before pandemic. And of course we can't do this anymore. Um, but uh, that pure joy and hope like family had uh, was their newborns and wanting to wanting them to have everything like the best thing in the world. So uh, my quick shout out is if anyone is expecting a baby, like I've been doing this, I've been like going around all Massachusetts communities because if you're expecting a baby now, um, the process is really simple. Like you just need to check a box on your child's birth certificate when you're at the hospital uh, when your baby's born. And then you're going to receive all the follow-up information from MIFA and the treasurer's office to open that account. Tell, tell me how you've been managing during the pandemic. What have you been doing that's a, that's a bit different? And, and what, what are yeah. some of the challenges or the successes? We used to really rely on face-to-face meetings to connect with our families and communities. And now that we all work remotely, uh, we've been testing different um, outreach channels, uh, just like you're doing podcasts, like we're trying like Facebook Live or different kind of mm-hmm. uh, medium and see what works best. Um, and then we still, but at the same time, we're still keeping that personal touch with the family because usually when we do a campaign or outreach, uh, then we get like flood of family come, like calling us and we're using that as an opportunity to check in with them and see how they're doing. I would say like one of the, you know, most fun memory we had uh, since pandemic started is uh, we tried to organize a remote pizza party for all the class of 2020 families. And that was uh, quite an operation. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> at the beginning, we started was like, oh, should we just like Uber eat this pizza to families? And then we like really contacted local pizza joint and then got them, you know, and then we work on like every single city, like how we're going to figure out like delivering 20 pizza in Salem. <laughs> in one night. Wow. Did it work out? That's a cool idea. Did it work out? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work. If if you want to replicate that model, uh, you need to talk to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But family really love it. And that just bring us that memory when we were back then, like still in a community meeting, like enjoying a hot meal together. And that's what uh, the least we can do is like bring pizza 
to their household and they can celebrate their kids' graduation. That's nice. One thing I was I, I do remember quite fondly from our events together is that I was always very well fed. Yes. So yes, we're, was... we're still trying to figure out how to get a taco truck on the road so we can <laughs> deliver more more tacos. <laughs> oh man, well that's good. Well, th I mean, thank you so much. It was so it's so nice to have you here on the podcast. You were when we were talking about who we're going to get on the podcast. You were one of the first people that we thought of oh, wow. um, to have as a guest. And now I want to talk to Christine, um, who, as I said before, is um, Director of Marketing Communications at Inversant, because when we were um, on, as we, we sit on a few uh, groups together, and this right. one being the, the Massachusetts CSA program, which is a, a, a group of folks who offer college savings accounts, like Inversant does with their programs, and like Meva does with Baby Steps with Inversant. And then there's a Boston program called Boston Saves. And there's all sort of different local organizations that are involved in putting money away for uh, kids in the community or matching funds. Um, and so Christine was speaking about a new program that Inversant was launching. Uh, it's a scholarship program. And I, and I want to give you the, the chance to talk about that right now. But first... Hello, Christine. How are you? I think this might be Hi. the first time that we're speaking. We've spoken before, but always virtually. But this is probably the right. longest, <laughs> most sustained conversation. That is correct. Yes. I've been enjoying your conversation with you, Ming. I mean, she really is this vast wealth of knowledge and experience in this still somewhat emerging field. So um, good choice. <laughs> well, thank yeah, she's the best. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, um, Inversant recently launched a new initiative called um, Cash, the Cash for College Fund. This is this is a cash uh, award, and we will be making ten awards of up to twenty five hundred dollars each on a rolling basis between now and um, October twenty third. The application period is currently open. Um, it is a online application. Um, it closes on October 16th. So that's a very important date to remember. And it does take a little preparation to do the application and submit it because we ask for um, a number of things. And I'll explain in a second why we're asking what we're asking for because that is important too. Um, there's a there's a, a, a survey, a brief survey, or actually a questionnaire that we are asking individuals to fill out. Tell us about yourself. Are you enrolled full time, part time? Where are you enrolled? Um, uh, are you working also while studying? Um, do you have children? Are you a single parent? So it's basically a uh, a survey that's asking for information about the student because we are we want to make sure that we use this opportunity as a way to address not just financial need but also the risk that a number of students face in continuing their education as parents as part-time students as older than typical age college students. And I, I say typical age in, in, in air quotes because um, we may th think of the typical college age student as you know, somewhere between 18 and 25, but we, we know <laughs> from, from enrollment information across the country that um, 
older students are actually more prevalent now in in U.S. Uh, higher ed. So, um, but that that risk factor still does remain if you are um, an adult learner, uh, if you have children, if you're working full time while on a roll. These are um, factors that make it more difficult for you to remain in school and complete your, your course of study. So we do um, want to take those factors into consideration. So aside from risk, we're also looking at unmet need. So this is a, a fund that will award grants to students who are experiencing education-related expenses that are not covered by their financial aid packages. So it's, it's important to remember that even students who say have a full ride scholarship, you know, where all their tuition is covered, there's still so many other expenses related to being a student. The cost of attendance uh, is, is what we call that, that um, might be as small as $300 or $400 or $500. But if the student doesn't have a way to address that expense, they could be in jeopardy of, of having to withdraw. So we, we recognize that there's this gap between um, financial aid and total cost of attendance. So we want to address that with this particular initiative. Um, so I encourage um, anyone who, who meets those, those um, criteria to uh, come to our website and uh, prepare an application for Cash for College. Excellent. And that, the website is Inversant.org. Yes. Inversant um, yes. Well, Iming, thank you very much, Christine. Thank you very much. Um, I look forward to hearing how the, uh, the new program goes. Um, and then I hope to have you both back. But thank you very, very much for joining me. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to that. Julie, how was it? Did you have a good time? I did. I did. Uh, it was fun. I love podcasts. So I love being able to participate in this where we can deliver all this great information in this way. Yeah. Well, I thought it went really well and I hope to have you back really soon talking about a whole bunch of other things that Mipa is doing. So, and I know that you probably will be back sooner rather than later. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Me too. So thanks everybody for listening. Join us next time. Please visit us at mifa.org. Email us with any questions at collegeplanning at mifa.org. And remember to like or subscribe to the podcast, which you can find at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you next time.